Friday night, uh, I kept getting texts from Palmerton. Have you ever gotten a bunch of texts from Palmerton? I got a bunch of texts from Palmerton. They were telling me how great the youth event was that they were having there. And I'm like, well, good grief. I put on my youngest clothes and Anthony was at my house. I said, jump in the car, let's go. We ra- raced over there. We got to go into Palmerton and open up the door. And you know, the first thing we smelled was warm bread. You know, Bethlehem, house of bread. That's thoughts that come to my mind. They, the pizza ovens were on for the first time since we've had that church. There were 25 youth meeting there, 14 from the community, 14 from the community. We're about reaching into the community. So some from here were kind of seed people and from Lehighton, but the rest were from the community. I love that. That's absolutely awesome. And they had a volleyball night, and they had some fun. They met some people, got some addresses, they're going to stay in touch, and so some of them might be here at the Super Bowl party night. I really think that is absolutely awesome. You know something else I thought was amazing last week? We don't operate on big endowments, but we have a new couple that's driving all the way from way far away, all the way up to the Lehighton campus, newer to the church, not even members yet. I was over there three weeks ago, and I said, boy, let's knock out $10,000 before Easter on our principal. We're trying to pay that down. We were at 272, and uh, we want to get down to 262, this type of thing. And I said, boy, let's, let's hit that. Wouldn't you know that those people dropped in a $10,000 check <laughs> right on the spot last week? I like that. That doesn't make, that doesn't make me one bit mad. And uh, it was just absolutely wonderful. So uh, we appreciate it. We're still paying down here. Thanks for giving toward the mortgage here. And over at Palmerton, same thing. But um, we're trying to outfit the preschool over at Lehighton. We want to open that up in May. And um, we're really getting excited about it because uh, it's going to be great. Stacy's going to be leading that. And we're glad about that. Let's give her a hand. She's excited. She's very qualified. She's very qualified uh, with her education and also with experience in all kinds of diversity of, of raising uh, and working with the kids in the school, special needs and all that. So we're thinking excited about what God is choosing to do. Eight kids dedicated last Sunday morning here. We think that is absolutely wonderful. We have some, a new crop coming on. It's a wonderful thing. So we're excited about some of the things that happened. So I took a moment because I could and because we're here and what else we're going to do. Uh, so I, I took just a moment here to give you a little infomercial on what's going on in the church. I also want to thank the Lord. Uh, Amy Shelley was able to lead her friend to Jesus this week in salvation. And so we praise God for that. It's a wonderful thing. And keep praying, keep believing, keep presenting Jesus to the fr- friends around because you never know. It may be their day, their week, and it could be a wonderful experience for them to come to Jesus Christ. So I wanted to share with you these types of things. Today I want to ask you a question Do you have hope? Do you have hope? Do you have hope? Through this last year, the one thing that I felt called to do is to encourage you and to, to try to give hope and to keep pointing us to God, keep pointing us to the Scripture, to keep pointing us into the message of the Lord. Billy Graham said it this way. He said, I don't think people can live without hope. What oxygen is to the lungs, what oxygen is to the lungs, hope is to our survival in this world. And the Bible is filled with hope. Aren't you glad about that? You know, if you get your Bible out and you open it up or you log online and you read, this morning I was online, I was reading right on my phone, 
my passage this morning that I wanted to, to be sure to read. Not my scripture passage here, but my passage I was reading for Kev. When I was reading that and, and growing by that and being challenged and encouraged by that, I was thanking God for his word that we still can read. And I pray God for this privilege and for this opportunity. I thank you. But friends, the word of God will do us little good if we never open it up, if we never log into it, if we never get into it. So your spirit might be sagging, your soul might be kind of famished if you're, if you're not getting into the Word. I want to encourage you to make sure in this 2021 year that you get into the Word. You don't have to read a lot every day, but just read a little bit and understand it and, and go for it as best you can. And today what we're going to talk about is you can trust what God says, what He promises you. You can trust Him to be able to fulfill that. He can do what He says, and He will say what He can do. When you go to Genesis chapter 15, the passage of Pastor Dwight read a little bit ago, it is a profound passage in the scripture that I have never officially preached from in my entire career that I know of. But it's one that I'm drawn to today that I want to look at it because I believe God has a word for us and he has something he wants to encourage, <coughs> excuse me, each one of us to experience. But to understand the reality of Genesis chapter 15, you must go back into Genesis chapter 14. When Abraham and his nephew Lot were deciding where they would live, Abraham said, you pick. So Lot chose. He chose the well-watered plains and the well-watered area that looked very fruitful and very productive of Sodom. He chooses this as his place. And Abraham says, okay, you can go over there. Now, we're not sure everything that happens with, with uh, Lot. We're not sure everything that goes on with his decision. But we never read in the scripture where he built an altar to worship the Lord. We see that somewhere along the way he got influenced by the culture that was around him. We see somewhere he allowed the ideology, the thinking, the thought process, the peer pressure, the whatever it was, to begin to work its way into him to where he did not remember God as he should. I think there's a message and a lesson right there, isn't it? Because it's so easy to go into our situations of life, whether in school or work, in our neighborhood, among our extended family, and if they do not follow God, it's easy for us to allow ourselves to be brought into the thought process, into the thought pattern that they may have that leaves God out and marginalizes him, whereas we are seeking to honor God and bring him into the center of our focus. We honor Jesus Christ, his death on the cross. In John's gospel, chapter one, in the beginning was the word. That's Jesus. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. Jesus is with God, and the Word was God. You can't improve on that. The identity of Jesus is given to us right there for all people, all time, to be able to understand all races, all religions, no matter our background, there it is, Jesus Christ. And then the Scripture identifies that He died on the cross, rose from the dead. No other religion has a prophet. No other religion has anybody at all who has ever done that, only Jesus and eyewitnesses record this for us. He is the Savior of the world, and He offers His salvation to you and to me. And to anyone, no matter where we are in the world, no matter our background, no matter our education, no matter our wealth, no matter any of that kind of stuff, He offers that to us. That's why I chose Jesus over all other gods. And that's why I recommend Him to you. That's why I follow Him and follow this book. It is a living Word of God. It finds us out. Good preaching, Kev. Keep going, baby. That is wonderful. I didn't provide it. I'm just echoing it. His word. Now, 
when Lot was there, several kings start making a move. And when they come in to make their move, they, they get him along with all the other people. And Abraham hears about it, and he says, I've got to rescue him. So Abraham goes over, God gives him favor, and he's able to rescue his nephew. Nephew didn't seem necessarily to be too appreciative, but he rescues him. A lot of story in that, but I'm not going to stop and take time for that. But he rescues his nephew and brings him back. Now, it's absolutely interesting that you understand that backdrop to be able to understand where we're going with this message today, because I'm saying to you very simply, you can trust God to do what he says. God, when he had called Abraham from a land where they had many gods, a polytheistic culture, to follow the one living God, a monotheistic following, one God, when he calls him out of that and now he's following God, God had given him a promise, you're going to be able to go where I want you to go and I will lead you where I want you to go and I will make a great nation out of you. This is what's getting ready to happen. So God is saying this to him. And he leaves that culture and he follows after God. It's amazing how God can give, listen to this, it's amazing how God can give to us just a few words and it can change the trajectory of our life. God can give us just a few words and it can change the trajectory of our world. You know, to get into this building, if it's locked up, you take just a little key, but that little key, if that's the word of God, opens up a whole future of something else. Isn't that amazing? And God gives to him just a few words here. And these few words are going to change his life. And they're not just going to change his life, but they're going to change the world. And the world is still impacted by these verses we're getting ready to read. This isn't fable. This isn't folklore. This is the beginning of the nation of Israel. This is absolutely amazing what God says to him. So I'm going to say to you today that, that this passage presents to us Three provisions of the promises of God that will show us how we can trust him to do extraordinary things in extraordinary ways. The first thing about the promise that I want you to understand is this. We need to understand the one that makes this promise. Now, you and I have had people that have promised things to us, right? And maybe they didn't come through. They said, I'll meet you Tuesday, 10 o'clock in the morning at such such place. They didn't show up. How did it make you feel? Made you feel pretty rotten. Yesterday, we had a district board meeting. Pastor Dwight and I are Zooming in with others that were part of our district board. And, and there was a fellow who, who came on at, you know, probably an hour and a half, whatever, late. He apologized. And it was human error. He planned to be there, but he wasn't there. God never has that happen. God never has that type of thing happen to him. And it's happened to all of us. But we consider the one making a promise. Look at verse 1 of your passage, Genesis 15. <clears throat> God is speaking. The word of the Lord, look at that, the word of the Lord. Everybody say it together. The word of the Lord came to Abraham, and look how he comes to him. This is before his name is changed Abraham. It's Abram at this point. Look how the Lord comes to him. He comes to him in a vision. God has a thousand ways to come to us, if you will, but he chose to come to him in a vision. He may do that to you. He may not do that to you. I'm going to double back to that in just a minute. Other people in the Bible had a vision. You remember Peter had a vision, Acts chapter 10. Nebuchadnezzar had a vision, you remember. There are many people who had visions in the Scripture. Uh, Revelation chapter 9, verse 17, John has a vision. That's why we call him John the Revelator. He's revealing things that are happening to us. Abraham has a vision here as God himself speaks to him in a vision. I don't know how God speaks to you, but God still speaks to us. Notice that the one that is making this promise 
is the one that Psalm 121 says in verse 2. My help comes from the Lord. Listen to this. Maker of heaven and of earth. That's pretty good backing right there. You don't get much better than that. Can I get a witness in the house? You don't get much better than that. That's pretty powerful. In Titus in the New Testament chapter 1 and 2 it says this. God who does not lie promised before the beginning of time. He doesn't lie. I mean, before the beginning of time, he's got this thing going on, and he says, hey, time is now happening, but guess what? I'm still hearing that thing that I said, still going to happen. Oh, wow. You know what? He, he's not going to miss his appointment. Well, he made a promise he's going to keep it, isn't he? Jeremiah in the Old Testament, we, we think about 29 and 11, but how about we go on a little further to 32 and 17? Oh, Lord God, behold. When I'm reading that, I pause a little in my thinking. You yourself made the heavens and the earth by your great power and your outstretched arm. And in the words that Mary would give whenever the angel came to speak to her, Jeremiah says here, hundreds of years before in the Older Testament, nothing is too difficult for you. Isn't that powerful? And so God, who has given us this problem, promise, is going to keep it. President Grover Cleveland Grover Cleveland, said if his family had a coat of arms, it would be that which Moses said to Asher when he gave him the blessing in Deuteronomy chapter 33, verse 25. One of my favorite passages right now. It's giving me a lot of strength, and over the past, it has really spoken into my life, and it is this. Grover Cleveland put in the bedroom of the White House these words, and I put them in the current language, and your strength will equal your days. That's powerful. Some of you need that right now. Some of you need that right now. You've been snow plowing, our snow plow team here, 48 hours straight at the church and out into the community. 48. Little bitty stops. Some of you work extra long hours in the hospital. Some of you teachers, you're thinking, ah, it's just February, that's all. You need strength. Some of you parents need strength because your kids are driving you nuts. <laughs> You need strength. There are many promises in the Bible, and you know what I know? There are many promises in the Bible, and as we face situations throughout this year, God can give us a promise. He can give to us a scripture. He can give to us something that is congruent, that is right in line with his word. He'll never give us something out of line with his word. He doesn't give us that extra biblical in that sense of revelation, but he gives us something that is in keeping with his word. That is incredible teaching. So how does God speak to us now? Let's double back to that. Let's talk a little bit about it. Could do visions. Some people get visions. Nabil Qureshi had visions, and he was able to find Christ through the visions. It's powerful. Ken Everett, our business administrator, sitting back here, came to my office this week and asked for my input on a particular matter. When he came in, he didn't have long. He was just there, and he said, hey, uh, what about such and such, 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 such? And he explained himself, and then he wanted my opinion. And I gave to him my opinion. And then a smile broke out on his face, and a chuckle came from his mouth. And you know what he said? In my dream last night, you said almost the identical thing. Isn't that something? Confirmation. Confirmation. And God chose to give it. R.A. Torrey prayed for his brother to come to Jesus for 15 years, and his brother had not come to Jesus. But R.A. Torrey continued to pray. And one day, he said, after he had moved to Chicago, God spoke to him. God spoke to him. 
And here's what Tory wrote. He said, God said, I have a still small voice. It's not, you know, maybe speaking out loud necessarily. But he says this, I have heard your prayer. You need not pray anymore. Your brother is going to be converted. Some of you praying for your friends. He said, I didn't miss a day. For 15 years, praying specifically for his salvation. That's a long time. But he said, I prayed on. And he said, what happened was, <laughs> my brother came to see me, and he ended up not being able to leave. He got sick. He had to stay for two weeks. So he said, I had him right there. And on the last day before he left, we went over to D.L. Moody's office, and there in D.L. Moody's office, he prays to receive Jesus Christ. Powerful. He got, he got this inner voice, this inner nudging that spoke into his life. And I think God can speak to us. I spoke to you some time ago about uh, Paul and Jacinda Stetler, lovely couple. They were married. And unfortunately, over a year ago, around Thanksgiving, they were headed to visit her family, and he fell asleep at the wheel. And when he woke up, a truck had slowed way down, and he swerved and slammed, unfortunately, her side of the car, and she was killed instantly. They'd only been married for just about a year. It was tragic. He is an incredible writer, and he has just a way, he's a musician, he has a way of putting words together. I spoke to you some time ago about our friend Jill and Matt Lee. Jill and Matt, young couple that I know, he's a professor, college where I used to attend, and I've known him since he was a little kid, and he married her, and we got to meet her, and they have a wonderful, energetic little boy. Jill has stage four cancer, and it appears quite terminal, barring some form of miracle. So Paul, who's going through grief, read a post that Jill had aired out when she is very transparent, and she said she was challenged in her faith. Now, I don't judge her for that. She's not going to throw in the towel on God, but she's challenged in her faith. And so as she's challenging her faith, you remember Jesus on the cross sends a question up to God. He says, why have you forsaken me? You see, we give our toughest questions to God, right? So anyway, Paul writes Jill these words. While I've never walked in your path, I can certainly relate to the struggle of faith. One of the most beautiful things I've experienced this past year is exactly what you described, God speaking directly to me and answering some of my questions. His answers are not always what I have asked for, but there is joy in hearing His voice and knowing that it is absolute truth. Again, the inner voice is not necessarily an audible voice out speaking to Him, but that inner awareness, that inner nudging. Those who suffer extraordinary ways experience extraordinary visions of God. After his many sorrows, he says, Job said, Job the Old Testament guy, Job said, I heard of you by hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see you. In other words, I heard about you, but now I'm experiencing you. I'm experiencing you. Isn't that powerful? Job 42.5 Job knew of God before his suffering, but in his suffering he was allowed to see God as he had never seen him before. I don't pretend to have any words of wisdom, but I just want to echo your words and say, God is good. I'm praying for you and your family. Keep up the good fight. God does speak to us. Let me give you another example of God speaking to us. Reese Howells had the opportunity to meet the queen. And in the book Intercessor, if you read it, which I have and enjoyed, challenged by it, he lived out his faith in a very God-centered way, and he would pray and pray often, pray a lot. 
And as he would pray and surrender his life to God, and he would basically say, God, what is your will for me today? As he was getting ready to go meet the queen, he had the inner prompting, the inner nudge into his life that said to him, wear your hat today. Well, most of the people were not wearing their hats to go see the queen. It wasn't what you did. But in this moment, he says, I feel like I need to wear my hat. So he puts his hat on and he goes. And when the queen was meeting people as they were walking by, one after another just flitted on by because she didn't have much time. When he came with his hat on, she was impressed. And she wanted to talk to him. And she wanted to interact for a little while. And it was all because he had listened to the prompting of the voice of God saying to him, I want you to wear your hat today. You have a message for the queen. I think sometimes we blow past what God is saying. And in our confusion and in our happenings of life, we've rescued Lot, but we haven't slowed down. And we're not hearing what God is saying. We're not in the Word. We're not quiet before Him like we could be. But if we'll just slow down, if we'll say, God is very busy, my nephew may not respond the way I thought he would, I'm experiencing things I didn't know I would experience when I took out following you. But God, here I am. I'm still with you. Second thing I want to point out, listen faster. You must listen faster. We'll be here all day. Here's the second thing in verse 1 of Genesis 15 about the promise. Let's notice the protection that comes with the promise. Look at the verse. God said, I am your shield. Did you see that? Sometimes he sends angels. Sometimes it is the work of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes it is a work of someone else coming into our life. But here God says, I am your shield. I am your shield. There's not an opinion poll on this. I'm not taking a vote about this, he's saying. But I'm just letting you know that I am with you. Now let's bring it right home to us. In your marriage, when you feel like you are in a real predicament, lean into God. Quiet down before God. Go to him in prayer. As the song was saying a while ago, we can go to him. As Pastor Scott was praying a while ago, God is a great listener. And we go to him, and then we quiet down, and God gives us strength. I have tested this out in my marriage. I say to you, God can help you in your marriage. In raising kids when you do not know what to do, and they're driving you straight up a wall. You may think I hate kids. I don't. I love them. But I'm talking to some of you because I know you're going nuts right now because you've been so housebound. It's like the endless winter. The endless winter. And I know this. Lean into God more. And as you lean into God more in these moments, you find some truth in his word and some strength from the Holy Spirit. He is your shield. David put it this way in Psalm 33 and 20. Wait. We wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. Solomon writes it in Proverbs chapter 30. Every word of God is flawless. I like that. Every word of God is flawless. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 16. The admonition from the apostle Paul under inspiration. He says this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one, the Bible says. This is absolutely powerful. Abraham, I'm your shield. David, I'm your shield. Solomon, I'm your shield. Paul, I'm your shield. 
Joseph, you can go ahead and have Mary as your wife. Mary, you can go ahead and face the public. Ruth says, your people be my people, your God my God. What's she saying? God is my shield. I'm trusting in God. Esther, you've come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Your shield is God. He is with you. One of my friends, when I was growing up, a lady in the church, she said, one day she was doing her laundry. How many of you like to do laundry? Any of you have that sickness? You like to? Look at these. Pam, take note. We can take it to their house now. (laughs) Some of you like to do laundry. This lady was doing the laundry at her house, and she said she heard a voice within herself, check the dryer. And she said, I stopped what I was doing, went in there, and I realized the dryer was malfunctioning and could have caused a fire to burn up. A lot of problem. But she said she heard that happen. And God helped her. And it's absolutely powerful what God can do for us. I sat on that hill right up here. A little Jetta. When I sensed God say to me, Kevin, I want that church built when I want that church built. It's time. I was scared. We were getting rent off the old foundry that sat here, and it was paying three-quarters of our payment, basically, on the monthly paydown of the 600-whatever thousand we had to pay to get this place. I was like, oh. And I said, you say, I'll follow. We'll go. And our board met, and we did. We're driving down 248, came just to that crest where Detmers used to have the motorcycle shop. And the Lord spoke to me to call Ken Everett to have him talk to Alton, who's sitting right here, about buying this seven acres from you, Alton, up here. And I called Ken, and Ken said, well, I'll get in touch with him. I said, no, Ken, you've got to call him now. God spoke to me about it and said, get Alton. Now, Alton was up here about ready to measure off some land to give to one of his family or work a deal out. And God worked that out for the church, and we had that road to lead there. I don't take credit for that, but I'll give credit to God. That's powerful stuff, friend. This is absolutely amazing. This stuff, this works. This works right now. This will work in your, in your life. This will work in your marriage. This will work in your business. This will work in your, in your schooling. This will work. All right. Can you handle one more? We've been here an hour and one minute. Can you handle one more? Yeah. All right. Here we went. Ready, set, go. This is the last thing I want to point out about this promise. It'll take me a little bit, but not too long. The future that is connected to the promise. Look at that, verses 1 through 6 of our passage here. There's a bright future connected to the promise. I love this. It's a bright future. Now, back to the introduction when I told you that Abraham has the king of Sodom who was impressed with with his work to get Lot. He says to him, well, I want to give you some riches. Chapter 14, verse 22. If you have your Bible open, you can see it. Genesis, the first book of the Bible. Verse 22, this is what happened. Actual conversation. But Abram said to the king of Sodom, With raised hand I have sworn an oath to the Lord God most high, creator of heaven and earth, there it is again, that I will not accept anything belonging to you, not even a thread isn't that something? Not a thread. I'm not going to say, or the strap of a sandal. So that you will never be able to say, I made Abram rich. 
That's saying, God, your will is your bill. You're going to take care of me, and you're not going to do it through this guy who is not following you, but I'm going to trust you. Now, God has a lot of ways. Sometimes he gives us those things, but in this case, he said no. But I'm wondering if in chapter 15, after that is all done and he's back home, if he's having second thoughts and saying, maybe I should have taken that. Shoot, I could have had that stuff. Have you ever had a second thought if you had say yes? I have. And you have those second thoughts that go racing through your head. So God speaks to him about his second thought. Look at verse 1 of your passage there. If you're ready to hear it, say yes. Here's what he says. I, God saying to Abraham, I am your very great reward. Let's say it together. God said, it's on the screen, I am your very great reward. Let's say it again. God said, I'm your very great reward. Do you get a load of what he's saying there? You trust me, I'll take care of you. You trust me in my way, in my path, in my process, and I'm going to help you. Pastor Melanie said earlier on, you know, something about God will take care of us in that, in that introduction to the Ramsey video. And, and we know that God will supply all of our needs. God will. Not all of our wants, but all of our needs. I'm your very great reward. So in verses 2 through 6, Abraham's best guess is, well, God, this servant guy over here is going to have my baby that's going to end up being for me the you know, the one that helps me fulfill that promise. You said that I was going to have a great nation here. And God said, no, 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 no. I've waited till you become fossilized nearly to let you have a child because here's the deal. You won't get credit for it. You will not get credit for this. You see, God doesn't share his glory. God doesn't share his credit. God is not interested in you being the all-star. He's not worried about me being the all-star. I passed through here for a few years, and I'm gone the way of the wind. What's the interest? God remains from generation to generation, creator of heaven and earth, before time you were, after time he is, during time he is. He's always there, right? This is powerful stuff. You get a hold of this, you get a hold of some eternal truth, because this is where it really is, and it's absolutely amazing. So what happens? They have a child, and you know what happens. You follow the rest of the story. You can go to the nation of Israel, and that is the nation that they started. Just a little old key unlocked a great big, just a few words from God promised to a guy who believed. God has many promises in the Scripture, and this year you're going to face some lot situations where your nephew's over there. You're going to face some situations where you don't know what to do, but you know what I know? You keep trusting in God. You keep allowing him. He has the words. He has the right promise. He has the right thing. You put the key in the door, and guess what? He's going to do for you exceedingly abundantly above all that you ask or think. It's according to the power that has worked within us. And you know what that means? It's according to our trust in him. Some of you are interested in football. I haven't watched a down of it this year on purpose, but I would say this. Tony Dungy is a good man. Tony Dungy is a follower of Christ. He was raised in a home where he was encouraged to think and to have good morals. And he broke in, and some of you are, any of you here are Steeler fans and you don't mind to admit it? I see that hand. Is there another? May the Lord be with you. And some of you Steeler fans, right? And you may remember whenever Dungey was on the team. And you might remember that he helped them win the Super Bowl and he led the league in interceptions or their team in interceptions. And it was a wonderful experience for him. And he became the youngest assistant coach as a young man in his 20s at the time, and it was an impressive thing. 
He ended up, his career took him to where he became the Tampa Bay or Tampa Buccaneers head coach. And then job just suddenly ended. Happens a lot in pro sports. They just say, we're going a different direction. You're done. Thank you. And you're out. You're done. And he was out. Then the Indianapolis Colts called. They needed a head coach. And they asked him, could you come be our head coach? And he said, yes. And if you follow his career, he's a broadcaster, an analyst. He's written books. He speaks a lot. But he also was the first African-American to win the Super Bowl as a head coach. Major, major feat. Incredible milestone. But he had a teammate named Donnie Shell. Donnie Shell encouraged him whenever he was just a young man on the Steelers in his rookie season. Shell said, I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to succeed without compromising your Christian faith. That's a picture of Donnie Shell with Dungey there. And Dungey dared to do it. And when he was put into the Football Hall of Fame, which is the Cru de Gaulle, the big thing, if you make it in those places, you're going to be remembered for generations. If you make it in the Hall of Fame of any profession, you're going to be. And here's what Dungey said. He said he was proud to have the Bible open and display on top of his locker. Unashamed. The Bible. A lot of people say, do you believe all those fables in the Bible? And what I like to say is, have you read the Bible? What are you talking about? Most haven't. He said this, I couldn't tell the story of my career without including the impact Christ has had on my coaching. And he followed after Jesus. And the Lord has led him all the way. Three biological kids, six or seven adopted kids. He's made a difference in this generation. And I'm glad I lived in the same time period as Tony Dungy powerful example of faith. How about you? Are you trusting him? Are the promises of God able to harry you? Don't ignore him. Don't resist him. Don't count him as one option. Put Christ as a centerpiece of your life. Let him have his way with you. And when you do, He will lead you in the way you should go, in a path that will be right for your life, and it will lead you to eternal life. Powerful. Powerful. Lord Jesus, you have led us to this moment in this service, and I don't think any of us here or any that were watching today with that which is already played now. We're watching or are here by accident. I believe we're here by, really, by your appointment. And sometimes on Sundays like this, you do a special work that seems to just really get our attention. For some reason, we listen differently. And uh, I preach differently. And we worship differently a little bit. So here we are. You're speaking We're listening. Help us to embrace what you say to us and follow it. Not worried about telling someone else what they're supposed to do, but understanding what you would have us do as an individual. 
to make the difference you want to make on this earth and in our life for your glory. In Christ's name.